Star Wars 7x7, episode 1309 today. Emelyn, Holdo, Rose, Tico, and the Blast felt round the galaxy, even through hyperspace. Punch it, Chewie. Hi, this is Mike and Joe from the Cantina Cast. And you're listening to Star Wars 7x7, the only daily Star Wars podcast. Hey Rebel Rouser, welcome to Star Wars 7x7. I'm your host, Alan Voivod, and this is the last day that we're going to be talking about Cobalt Squadron, the novel by Elizabeth Wine, and the events that we're going to talk about today are ones that set up the presence of Amelyn Holdo and Rose Tico in The Last Jedi, as well as some of the plot elements that are used in The Last Jedi, and, and it even touches on the connection to the force awakens that cobalt squadron has so let's dig into it this is a spoiler filled podcast by the way so if you haven't read the book and you don't want it spoiled for you save this podcast for a later date otherwise let's just dive right in shall we so just the quick refresher the resistance is doing a series of airlift drops of supplies to the bravo rising group on terra bravo a planet that is being plagued by the first order and they want to fight back they just need some supplies so that way they can take care of it themselves and Emelyn Holdo, that would be Laura Dern's character in The Last Jedi, she actually helps arrange all the particulars for the airlift because I guess this is something that she has supervised in the past. And so that's how she becomes initially familiar with Rose Tico's work on the bafflers that are able to mask the resistance bombers from sensor reading. And that's going to come into play later in the podcast when we talk about why it is that Rose Tico is not on the resistance bomber hammer with her sister Paige Tico when they enter the fray over Dakar at the beginning of The Last Jedi. So the thing I have to go back to in Cobalt Squadron is the fact that when they try to do their second airlift drop for the second time, they devise a strategy that allows them to get the airlift done without getting hammered by the TIE Fighters so badly. But as they are flying back through hyperspace from that mission, they feel a blast. It says, they felt the blast in hyperspace. There was a cataclysmic jolt as if the ship had hit a wall and a shock of blinding white light blazed all around the heavy bomber as if it were flying through a planetary lightning storm. But then the mottled peaceful blue resealed itself around them and Rose could find nothing wrong with the ship apart from two cracked blast shields which might have happened in the battle earlier. And they still seem to be on course for Refnu. That's the place where they are pretending to be ice bombers and getting cover for their secret mission. And as you might imagine, that was the blast from Starkiller Base that destroyed the Hosnian system. So I thought that was rather interesting to hear what the effects of that would be felt like while in hyperspace. Especially since the weapon is supposed to have created a big rip in hyperspace and be able to travel faster than light faster than hyperspace travel so yeah it actually did damage practically to the fabric of the galaxy and it also talks about the effects of being in space while it happened which you know nobody was in space while it happened that we saw in the force awakens although if you think about it the resistance 
transport that was heading to Takadana must have had the same experience because GA-97, that robot spy in the castle, in Maz Kanata's castle, reported to the resistance that BB-8 had been found, and so a resistance transport with troops was already on the way to try to pick him up, and so they would have had to have felt the blast in hyperspace too. And then here's the real space part. It says, when they came back into real space around Refnu, they found themselves surrounded by light. It flickered around the ship like a titanic electrical fault. But the light wasn't coming from Refnu's distant sun. There were strange cosmic shock waves reverberating across the distant reaches of the star system. And they don't learn what's happened right away. In fact, the mystery deepens for them because they go on their third airlift run and there are no TIE fighters waiting for them. The First Order appears to have utterly disappeared from the Atera system. And their bombardier, Nix, says, you know, after all that fighting to keep us out, why would they suddenly stop caring? Spenny, who's the other gunner on the hammer, says maybe they've got a bigger fight on their hands somewhere else. And it's Paige Tico who says maybe the rumors about the weapon aren't just rumors. Maybe the First Order thinks they've got a weapon that's so big they don't need to worry about a few heavy bombers. And the word weapon is in italics there, that first. The rumors about the weapon. Right. So apparently rumors of the First Order building a giant weapon in Starkiller Base have made it all the way down to resistance bomber crews. And on their fourth and final airlift drop, one of the bombers says that they did see a patrol of ties, but they didn't stick around. And the pilot's saying, I don't know what's going on and I don't like it, but this is our last hop, so I'm not going to worry about it. So when they get back to Refnu, which is again the place where they had established their cover for the mission they were running, that's when they find out how bad things really are. And I'm going to share those details along with Amalyn Holdo's appearance there after the break. Stay tuned. Hey Rebel Rouser. If you haven't done so already, please consider leaving a review for Star Wars 7x7 on your favorite podcast app. Not just a star rating, although I will say we are personally very proud of our near-unanimous five-star rating on iTunes. No, I just mean a thoughtful sentence or two about what you like about the podcast, or how happy you are that it's part of your daily routine. And more reviews means better visibility, which means more people get to share in a daily dose of Star Wars joy, and you want that, don't you? Of course you do, so please leave a review on your favorite podcast app today. I thank you, and the Star Wars 7x7 podcast thanks you. Welcome back. So the Resistance Bombers get back to Refnu, and waiting for them there is none other than Vice Admiral Holdo of the Resistance Cruiser Ninka. That is her ship, and we talked about that over the last couple of weeks with The Last Jedi Visual Dictionary and the Incredible Cross-Sections book. And she's there to deliver the bad news about the Hosnian system being utterly obliterated and nobody can wrap their brains around it, basically. Holdo actually gives a time frame for this, which is rather interesting. When she arrives on Refnu, she says, did you feel that stellar shock two days ago? And later she says that we destroyed that Starkiller base thing today. So there you go. You actually have now a bit of a time frame within The Force Awakens that it's two days in between the destruction of the Hosnian system and the destruction of Starkiller base. And so Holdo's there to tell the resistance bombers that they have to come back with her and the Ninka to Dakar to help with the evacuation. And she's also packing on the Ninka supplies to arm the resistance bombers with actual bombs, not with their little supply drop things. 
and there are eight resistance bombers left, even though there were 11 initially. And so she wants to redistribute the crews and have some of the people who are capable of flying fighters to be prepared to leave the crews and become starfighter pilots again. But then she calls out Rose and she says, I'd like you to come on board the Ninka as part of our maintenance team. We're desperately short of good technicians, and I'm afraid we've got a bitter fight ahead of us. I'm impressed with the work you've done this week. You're quick and reliable, and you're good at taking orders as well as taking initiative. I need you on my ship. So that's how it came about that Rose was not on the resistance bomber hammer when the first order showed up at Dakar. And there's a beautifully touching scene with the sisters saying goodbye to each other one last time before they leave Refnu. And you know there is an irony to it, of course, and you'll have to check out the book for that. But I will say that Elizabeth Wine did a lovely job tying all the loose ends together and giving the two of them a beautiful send-off. So congratulations. And again, Cobalt Squadron, you know, it is written for 8 to 12-year-olds, but it's an entertaining read regardless. And again, I will also say, like I said on Tuesday, Scorekeeper Declan was very interested in me keeping going every single night when I wanted to end because we'd hit the end of a chapter and he wanted it to continue. So, you know, if you need an excuse for yourself, if that's what's holding you back, then consider that as well. All right, that's going to do it for today's podcast. Thank you so much for listening, as always, and may the Force be with you wherever in the world you may be. Thanks for listening to another episode of Star Wars 7x7. And hey, before you engage those Star Destroyers at point-blank range, check out SW7x7.com for show notes, links, photos, videos, and more. And we'll be able to do even more with the show for you with your support at patreon.com SW7X7. It's not the shortest offensive of all time, it's Destiny Unleashed. This podcast is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox, and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars-related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited or their respective trademark and copyright holders. May the force be with them. All original content is copyright 2018, Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it.